0: So uh, there are a lot of jobs in our house and uh, a number of different jobs from food prep to table clear uh, to, or table set and table clear. Those are two different jobs. And then there's uh, dishes. That's a job. And then there's vacuuming and dusting and bathroom cleaning and trash and recycling. And there's laundry and there's room tidying. And lots of these jobs are kind of shared by different people in our house but um, I think kind of none of them really compares to, to pooper scooper. And in our house, pooper scooper is a job. It's kind of like one of the grossest jobs really. And pretty much, you know, and if it doesn't get done in the yard, if someone doesn't do it, there's people get dog poo on their shoes and the kids go in and out all the time. And, and suddenly, you know, that gets tracked around. It's really gross. And so uh, so at our house, poop scooping and uh, shoe cleaning is a job that we give to the housekeeper. And it's n- nothing against her, but um, but sh- she's an immigrant, and she doesn't seem to mind doing it. And so, you know, we have her doing that job. Now, now this one dinner time, I remember um, that we were all sitting around the table, and I suddenly smelled dog poo at the table. And that's just wrong and disgusting. And so, so, uh, you know, the servants had all gone home at that point early that night, and so it was just our family at the table. And so, I, you know, I decided to do the bigger thing. So, I took off my work shirt and I took off my work pants, and I grabbed a towel and wrapped it around myself. And then I went around to each of my my family members, and I started wiping their shoes to kind of find out who had the dog poo. Now, I got to Maddie, and she said, "Dad, stop! You shouldn't be doing this." And I said, you know, I need to do this or you're not going to have any dinner. We're not eating dinner until the shoes are clean. And so she said, okay. And I went around and it was this really powerful time. And we all cried after, you know, I said, guys, this is, this is what I want you to do for one another. And I hope I never have to do this job again. Now, there is no modern equivalent to foot washing in case you were wondering where my story was going. Uh, If you know the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, then you might have caught on to the made-up story that I just told. Uh, And that's kind of as close as I get to foot washing, so that's kind of where I came up with that. Um, Some of you are just angry that I said that we have an immigrant housekeeper, and... And that's not true either, but I will get to why I said that and why that was part of my story. So, you know, there's something for everyone here. I I think just at at very root, we need to explain this story of Jesus and the foot washing because we don't have something that compares to it. Uh, We're starting a new series and our new series is called A Few Last Things. And um, it's it's about. Uh, we're taking a section from the account of John, and uh, it's, it's the life of Jesus, and it finds us, this section that we're going to look at, finds us in the upper room just before, on the night before Jesus is killed. He's taken away, betrayed, and taken away and, and killed and crucified. And so, uh, you know, this one, this, you know, a few chapters, it's kind of like brings up a bunch of questions for me, like, what does Jesus do for his followers on that night? What does he say to them on that last night before he's going to be killed? And then what, what does this mean for us today? And, and I think there's a lot there for us. Um, And so uh, our new sermon series is going to take us through, it's called the upper room discourse. If you were going to look it up academically, that's kind of what, how they call it. And it's John chapter 13 to 17. It's the section that we're going to look at. And so this morning, we're going to look at the story of Jesus and the foot washing. It's John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. And so uh, if you have your Bible, you could follow along. John chapter 13, verses uh, 1 to 17. This is what it says. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not know now what I'm doing, but but later you will understand. Jesus, uh, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that's why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. God's Word. My big idea this morning is the good news compels us to become like Jesus in sacrificial humility. The good news compels us to become like Jesus in sacrificial humility. This section begins with Jesus loving, his love, the love of Jesus You know, as I as I thought about foot washing, there's no no modern equivalent. And so I even I looked up like maybe someone else came up with like a really great example, modern day foot washing. What would this be like? And and there's just not good. I mean, it's like I found car wash, which is like, you know, it's like. Literally, what we go around in. So, and it gets really dirty, but it just doesn't carry the same thing. I saw one example where it's like the CEO takes out his executive committee to a restaurant and then he gets up and serves them. He's the waiter, you know, and that covers some of the serving angle. And then, you know, there's toilet cleaning. People say, oh, if it was toilet cleaning, that would be similar. It's like that's as dirty a job as maybe foot washing, but there's not really anything that covers it. So, you know, pooper scooper, that was like as, as good as I could get. And I know it was not a great example because I mean, none of these things do we do every day, you know, and, uh, and maybe they, we can catch the dirtiness of the job of foot washing, you know, the grime and the grit and the dust and dirt, and maybe animal excrement that's on the ground that gets, would get on your shoes and feet, you know, maybe it covers that, but I just think, What daily chore do we have that involves another person cleaning your actual body? Like, we don't have anything like that, not remotely. Is there a daily chore that involves another person cleaning a part of your body? And that's what foot washing was. And it was an act of love. And that's what John says. He starts this section with, he says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And this is an act of love. Jesus loved. He loved them to the end. And that those words to the end means to the utmost, the uttermost or completely. And Luke describes this scene also. He describes the dinner scene. But he says that there was a dispute about who thought they were the greatest, which disciple was the greatest. And Matthew has a has a description of this dinner time. And so does Uh, Mark has a description too, and they all say kind of different views, different perspectives of what was happening. So Luke tells us there's this dispute. They're arguing again about which one of them is the best disciple, who's going to be the the number one disciple when they get to the new kingdom or whatever. And uh, and Jesus's response isn't anger or frustration, even on the night where he's, you know, he's going to go get killed event, you know, the next day. His response isn't frustration or anger that after three years, they still don't seem to get the the concept. Instead, he does this very memorable act, this act of in love of extreme service, you know, where he, he gives this clear definition again of who's the greatest. And it's the one who will be the least, which he's said numerous times to them and this isn't just an act of love. It's an act of allegory. So there's, a, there's lots of symbolism in this act of washing the feet. And you can see it in the way John, his language that he uses. So some of the language is this. He says, having loved, Jesus rose from dinner and he laid aside his garment, taking a towel. He began to wash their feet and wipe them with the towel. And when he'd washed them, he put on his garment And he resumed his place. Now, if I took some of those words and I changed the words around them, so I could say it this way and describe exactly the mission of Jesus. Jesus loved completely. He rose up from his throne and laid aside his majesty, taking the form of a humble servant. He became obedient to death on a cross, washing us with his blood And when he'd accomplished his mission, he was glorified and resumed his place at the right hand of God, the father. So we see this. This is a picture, a symbolic picture of what he's also about to do. Jesus demonstrates his love and humility with an uncomfortable act of service. And this act of service is also symbolic of the humble savior who comes to rescue the world. Now, my first discussion question today is I've been hearing some feedback, you know, just here and there, little, little things, not direct feedback, but just maybe some people feeling like my discussion questions are very deep, maybe quite deep for like a five minute you know, discussion. And some people like that. And other people are like, you know, it's like really deep and we have to be really vulnerable. So I thought today I'd start with a a less vulnerable question. Okay. So for discussion, this is your question. What's a menial job or chore that you hate doing? So like, just, it could be an everyday job or everyday chore, something that you do a lot, maybe that, that, that you really don't like doing. Um, so Jesus loves and uh, and you know stepped out to do this thing that nobody liked doing, and which brings me to my second point, which is that we are uncomfortable with it. We being everyone, and uh, I, I like to call this um, Peter's foot washing fiasco. Like, if you really look at the interactions that happen between Peter and Jesus, it's like, it just is typical Peter, you know, just a full-on blowout. Like, you know, Peter says, um, Master, are you going to wash my feet? Like, he's going around washing people's feet. And Peter asks him, like, mine too? And Jesus says, yeah, but don't worry. Like, you you won't understand what I'm doing now. You'll understand it later. So just, you know, let me do it. And Peter says, no. No, you're never going to wash my feet ever, ever. And he emphasizes this is never going to happen. And so Jesus responds with the, you know, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. You're not, you're not part of what I'm doing if you don't let me do this. And then Peter says, okay, then like full on, then he's all in, you know, then wash all of me, my head and my hands and let's go all in. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you don't, you don't need to do that. Peter, it's okay. Just like, let me wash your feet. <laughs> and this is the, the, the experience. Now this is like very typical Peter and Peter's, you know, his emphasis literally in the Greek, if you read it, will say like, you will never wash my feet forever. And this word forever is on there at the end. It's like an unbroken age, you know, in the perpetuity of time, it's like this expression of like, you're never, ever, ever gonna do this, Jesus. You know. And I found a, online one of the Reddit users describing foot washing this way. It says the concept is unfamiliar, physically awkward, pointless, and a little discomforting. That's how just you know regular people would describe foot washing. And it's it's interesting to me that for different reasons we are all uncomfortable with foot washing. Now, Peter had a pretty good reason. And the reason was that in their culture, you know, walking around with, you know, open toed sandals in the dusty climate and the dirt and the all the, you know, animals that are going around and all the stuff that would come with that, you know, gets on your feet. And that's what needed to be clean when you come into someone's house. And so uh, a host normally would arrange for there to be water and a basin, maybe at the entrance of the house, when you're coming in, there would be, as you arrive, there would be this, you know, provision for foot washing. And um, if you lived in a, in, in a wealthier home with, you know, servants or slaves at the time, you would, you would give that job to the lowest ranking servant or slave. That's kind of the job, like no one else wants to do this job in the house. And so uh, if you were in a Jewish household, a wealthier Jewish household, it would go to a non-Jewish servant, a gentile servant. So hence my reference to immigrants. The lowest rookie, the the greenhorn, the newbie, that's who's getting the job, the outsider. It's like, we'll give it to them, you know, they probably won't complain and or maybe they will, but that's no one else is going to do this job. Now, We don't have servants in this day and age. And so it's hard for us to connect to this idea of kind of what this job was. That's my was my joke at the beginning was like, you know, the housekeeper will do it. And even if you have a housekeeper or a gardener or any kind of person working around your home, you we wouldn't give them the worst job in the world. You just we wouldn't do that. You'd be like, oh no, I'm gonna do that job. I'm a little embarrassed you know, and you, you know, hire someone to do jobs around your house or whatever. But we don't we don't have servants and slaves and treat them the way, you know, I hope that that experience was for them with ranking servants. And so Peter is uncomfortable because this is not a Jesus job. This is not a leader job. This is not a rabbi job. This is not a Messiah job. And this is certainly not a Peter job. And that's why Jesus offends Peter when he does this. And probably all of them on some level are offended. And Peter just says what they're all thinking, which is like, whoa, what are you doing? And, you know, this is definitely not a thing Peter wants to do ever. He's hopeful that that will never be the job he has. And it lowers his view of Jesus in a way. You know, Jesus is demeaned from this you know place that peter has jesus and so it bothers peter that's why he has this reaction and the gospel is offensive you know we're uncomfortable with foot washing we are too i think because it's unfamiliar and discomforting and why should someone touch my feet if you've ever been in a foot washing before then you'll you'll know what i'm talking about you'll be like why does anyone need to do this this is weird it's unnecessary It feels weird to us. And in the same way the gospel can offend us, can't it? It does. Uh, the, The cross is brutal and it's unholy and it's for criminals and it's condemned. And like Peter, I think we feel uncomfortable with an intimate cleansing, a cleansing that goes all the way in and covers everything, even our deepest shame. And it feels uncomfortable and maybe even something that we want to avoid. To admit that we need it means that we admit our desperate need and our weakness. You know, Christians are notorious for presenting themselves as perfect until everything falls apart. Like, that's how we're known to the world. Is like Christians, oh yeah, they just, they think they're perfect or they present themselves that way until, you know, the facade crashes down and it's so evident that they're not. Why is this? Why is this our reputation? Why are we like that? That's my discussion question, actually. My second question for you is, why do you think it's so hard for Christians to admit that we struggle? Why is this a thing? So you can answer the question that way if it's easier. Why do Christians think it's so hard to struggle? Or maybe for you personally, it's easier to say, why do I struggle? so hard to admit. that. I, why is it such a hard thing for me to admit that I struggle? So either way you could phrase it, but really it's just about why is it hard to say that we struggle? Why is that a challenge for us? Let's go to groups. All right. Well, um, so Jesus demonstrates his love. He loves and he demonstrates that love and that can make us uncomfortable and it has and it does at times and jesus then commissions um commissions these followers to do the same thing and he says uh actually i have set an example and the word example means example like we think of it but also a pattern or a copy or a model and it's something that we're meant to imitate so it's different than saying you know hey, here's this thing than to say like, hey, here's something you should imitate. You should do the same thing. And, um, and Jesus sets this as the new standard for greatness. How we're going to define in the church as Christians, how are we going to define greatness? And Jesus says, I have a new standard for that. He says, do you, do you understand what I've done for you? Uh, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so for that is what I am. Um, but now that I, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I'd set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And then he says, you know, no servants better than the master, no messengers better than the one who sends him. So, you know, if you know these things, then you would be, you'll be blessed if you do them. Now, there's a lot of discussion about what does Jesus mean? Because, you know it matters, and the the there's academic discussion, and there's online discussion. There's lots of people saying, you know, what does Jesus mean here exactly? And on the one hand, Jesus could mean that we are to have a foot washing service. That's what he could mean. Like you need to do foot washing for each other a lot, and uh, with bowls and with towels. And I even read on <laughs> looking into this, I read one church. Uh, Literally their statement of beliefs includes this as a necessary sacrament. Like, it's like you're saved, you're baptized and you have to get a foot washing. It's like in there, like, like, no, you know, number three important. Like, if you haven't had a foot washing, we don't know if you're saved or not. Like, whoa, okay. That's like, wow, extreme, you know, and it's a literal command. Jesus says it and it's clearly a command. So that's why there's this, like, what does he mean? Uh, and the proponents, people who believe that, you know, this is about a service we're going to do to each other, actually foot washing. Uh, it's going to range from that group to, you know, a group who puts on a foot washing once a year, every once in a while, they'll do kind of a foot washing service or something or add it into an Easter service. And actually the MBs, the Mennonite brethren have a long history of doing a uh, foot washing services in the calendar. Like it's a thing that that our denomination has done for a long time. And, you know, traditionally they, we've done it quite a bit. So there's that. Or, or others would say, well, you know, does Jesus mean that we should be practically and humbly serving one another? And, you know, it's not literally foot washing is the thing Jesus means. And that this is a, probably a more common interpretation that, that they will say Jesus is being symbolic, and we don't actually need to wash each other's feet, Um, but Jesus is instructing the church that we should serve one another with modern equivalents, things that maybe we don't like doing, but that we would do for one another as an act of humble service, you know, these sacrificial acts of humble service. Now, I believe that, um, if you wanted to know my personal opinion, that When we actually do foot washing, if you've ever been a part of a service like that, I think that it brings up exactly the same feelings that it did for the disciples. Maybe not exactly, but pretty close. I mean, it is uncomfortable. It's humiliating for the person doing it and the person who's receiving it. And a lot of times in a foot washing service, there's a lot of people who just sit there and don't do it because it's it's uncomfortable. And there's something about it that I think is powerful that that breaks something for us and speaks something over us. And so I don't think actually doing a foot washing service is a bad idea. And actually, we've done it as a church uh, in our once, I think we did it once. And also, I think this command of Jesus is clearly a call to live lives of radical humility every day. It's not just when we're doing a foot washing service, it's Lives of radical humility in service. You know, I, I know of a Harvard professor, a very successful Harvard professor who left a promising academic career to go and take care of people with intellectual disabilities, or we called them the mentally handicapped back in the day. And he gave up his, this successful job and role to go and serve people who didn't, couldn't understand his rank in society. I, I know of a nun who gave up her life from age 18 to go and care for and love lepers and outcasts uh, who were rejected and dying in the streets of Calcutta. And I also know of a, a new Pope who, who broke time old tradition to wash and kiss the feet of 12 inmates instead of 12 priests, which was the tradition. During the Holy Thursday ceremonial foot washing and the 12 inmates that he did this to included two women and two Muslims, which definitely broke tradition. I know of a successful downtown Vancouver lawyer who spent his best years defending First Nations tribes against injustice and was a voice for those who had no voice, even when they would have given up he kept fighting and kept fighting for them. I know of a well-loved pastor who gave up his church to carry a cross in downtown Victoria and embraced humility and humiliation as he did that and started a youth drop-in center for the kids all hanging out downtown. I know that these are extreme examples of this humility that we're called to live out. Jesus calls his followers to live under the washing of the gospel that he would wash us and we're cleansed so that we can bring good news to a broken world with radical humility. We can do that with a radical kind of humility that shakes people and and transforms the spaces around us. In conclusion, the good news compels us to become like Jesus in sacrificial humility. Jesus loved, he acted in love and that love was the driving force behind everything he did. And because he loved, he demonstrated vis- vividly his mission in humility by washing the feet of his disciples. And we're uncomfortable often by these kind of acts. Jesus made people uncomfortable. This was not an exception to that, that description. In radical humility, Jesus redefines greatness while they're arguing about it. He goes and shows them a radical different definition, the willing servant of all. And the good news calls us to surrender to this humble Jesus, a stumbling block to many. And thirdly, Jesus commissions us to do the same. Jesus sets an example for us to follow, to imitate. So what does that mean, to imitate this example? You know, those who have, who have done this are inspirational to us. We tell their stories because we're inspired. Their radical humility and sacrificial giving. And the world is looking for a church who brings the good news in radical humility not in power, not in strength of arm, but in humility. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this example, um, for your disciples to decisively answer their question of what does greatness look like? Also to, to speak a, a, a picture of what you were about to do, to, to give up, your glory and to come in as a in humiliation to wash us even though we didn't deserve it and to give yourself for us. We thank you also for your call to us that uh, we would be people of the same quality, that we would be uh, a church that embraces humility as we love the world around us as we come to wash them in their need and in love lord i pray that you would help us to become these people we do acknowledge our weakness and that we're uncomfortable that i can't even sit through a foot washing service without being uncomfortable let alone to to live my life in that kind of humility and so i pray for us lord that you would give us courage you would give us strength, you'd give us boldness to be these kind of people and that we could experience the blessing of living the way you lived. Thank you that your spirit empowers us to do this. We look to you for every good thing. Amen.